Well, yesterday was uh, the Yorzeit of Rochelimenu, which is Yud Aleph Cheshvan, uh, the 11th day of Cheshvan, which I had uh, once spoke about uh, a while back. <clears throat> and um, I'd mentioned something then, which is very important, actually, you know, and that is that Rochel Imenu began a line of people that in many ways would serve uh, for the survival of the Jewish people. And I had connected Yosef Atzadik, of course, who was the son of Rochlimenu. And ultimately speaking, both of them uh, were involved in uh, saving the Jewish people. You know, Rochlimenu, of course, because she died in Beislechem, where the Jews would ultimately be exiled by, by Nebuchadnezzar. And on the way to Babylon, of course, we know that they would pray at her grave because they passed Bethlehem, Bethlehem. And I had mentioned she would be Mispal. She would pray for them. Uh, so, and the reason why she is buried in Bethlehem is because uh, that part of the, the suffering that she experiences being not buried in the cave of Machpelah <clears throat> the Morris of Machpelah that Yisurin or that suffering that she's not buried with the uh, Ovois and the other Imohos and Odom and Chava and so on that suffering atones for the Jewish people so it's not only that she was able to pray and her treatise were accepted by God uh, and as a result of that, she became the model that if Christ will need an assist to survive, which means that somebody will undertake or bear the suffering of the Jewish people in order to help them, then she would be, uh, she and her descendants would be would be the uh, bearers of that. So in many ways, that's a very important concept. And of course, Yosef, her son, took on the same responsibility. Because he, of course, went to Egypt for basically the same reason. To weaken the uh, sultan so that the Jews should be able to have a redemption. Uh, which is many, many, uh, it's really, of course, very, very important, you know. You know, one of the things we find, which is interesting about uh, the uh, descendant of Rochelimeno, which ultimately becomes the uh, Sheikh Ben Yosef, you see. And uh, I, I, uh, I don't recall if I mentioned this, but it's a very important concept. <clears throat> We know that the Mashiach ben Yosef, what is his weapon? What is that which he uses to, uh, to change the world? And we know that what it is from the last Pasuk, uh, not the last Pasuk, but rather the last Pasha in the Chumash, the Zeus HaBrochah. And there's a rather cryptic statement that Moshe Rabbeinu says when he gives the bracha to Yosef HaTzadik. And the bracha that he gives to Yosef HaTzadik is that it's a b'chor shoroi hodoloi, that the firstborn of his ox, hodoloi, beauty is his. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu says. And the kani re'em, and the horns of this ox, is the horns of the Re'im. Kaunav is his horns. Ubahem, and with these horns, Aminagach, he will go the nations. Now, obviously, you know, um, Yosef is not an ox, even though the, his symbol on the Merkova is an ox, but he will not, obviously not go the nations uh, with horns of an ox. 
So we know that it refers really, it's a code. It refers as a metaphor of what the Mashiach bin Yosef, what is the uh, instrumentation, that device or vehicle that he would use to go the nations or to change, you know, the whole uh, structure or status of the nations. And the answer is, uh, and that's what Moshe Rabbeinu re- reveals, is really what's called the Orishan. It is really the messianic light. In other words, the information of that messianic light is so great that it will ultimately change the entire world. <clears throat> you see. And the metaphor is that the B'choshere, uh, the firstborn of Isaac's, Who's the firstborn in the tribe of Joseph? Of course, is basically Mashiach ben Yosef, right? And Hodeloi, beauty is his. Now, beauty is a very important concept. What beauty is, is when many, many different pieces fit together in a harmonious blend. So if you look at it individually, then each one seems to be a separate piece. But if you see them all together, there's some type of uh, what comes out of that is a tremendous integration that expresses a beauty far beyond, of, uh, far beyond the pieces. So in many ways, that's a tremendous revelation. So what this metaphor is, and it says that with this, these horns, he will go to the nations. What this revelation really is, is that the weapons or the, the horns that emanate from the head, of course, is a weapon. So it says, therefore, that the, the horns of the Mashiach ben Yosef, because he's the firstborn of the ox, that those things that emanate from the head of a, an ox, which is horns, though the metaphor for that is weapons, and the weapons that come out of the head, of course, is chokhmah, is wisdom, you see. But what the Pasuk says is hodoloi, it's beautiful, you see. So the question is, what is the beauty of the, of the chokhmah, the wisdom, that the Mashiach ben Yosef has? And the answer to that is that all knowledge basically consists of two different aspects. One is the content. The content, of course, is what is the chokhmah? What is the material, the substance of the discipline itself? And then the second aspect of uh, any major chokhmah, you know, uh, discipline, whatever, is the form of that chokhmah. In other words, are we looking at something which is fragmented? Or are we rather looking at something which is all together, it's all integrated, you see, into a structure where you can see each piece, not only understand each piece, but you can understand the relationship between each piece, you see. That's a very important idea because essentially the difference between the Sheikh bin Yosef's wisdom, you see, which is really the messianic light, and the wisdom that we have today is that the wisdom we have today is all piecemeal. It's all fragmented. It's called period. Everything is separate, you see. But the Mashiach bin Yosef, what he does is he weaves everything together into a beautiful tapestry or fabric where when you look at one piece you're not you're looking at the the totality the scope of the chokhmah in fact that's really what science today does science realizes that all phenomena you know even though it exists it's all fragmented it's all pieces so the the idea of science is to look at the underlying structure that ties everything together. Once you have that, 
then of course you have a tremendous understanding, right? And you're able to predict many things. With that understanding comes the ability to predict. So that's really what they want to do. That's what a scientist does. He looks at many different phenomena in any given discipline, and he tries to tie all of it together into one or two principles. You see, that's called reduction, where he tries to reduce all thousands of phenomena together, where it's really only one idea, you see. And we see, the, this is really what the, the goal of science is. Well, could you imagine if that could happen to the Torah? The Torah, in many ways, is fragmented, you see. We don't see the underlying theme or what connects the entire Torah together. We don't see that. That is concealed from us. So therefore, in other words, we can see content, but we do not see what's called we can see chimer material, but we don't see tzura form. And that's the way the Rosh created the world. To discover the content, the chimer, and then to put it together into a form, you see. And what is interesting is that that's what science does. They try to reduce everything to its unification. They try to unify everything. Well, the old vision is really Torah unified with everything that we know in this world, with science, with Kabbalah, with Halacha, with Mitzvahs. All of it really is a tremendous unification, the form or the tzura or the structure. But that's missing from us, you see. And there are reasons for that why it's missing but that's really the task you want to figure out not just the fragment itself to analyze the idea but you want to connect it to everything else in fact what's interesting is if you want to know something there's really only two things you have to know what is it what is this piece or fragment in other words what is the definition and the second thing you want to know is, how does it connect to everything else? What is its relationship to everything else? You see? And once you do that, then you basically know, really, everything you have to know. You've analyzed something, and then you've synthesized something. You see? And that's what you've done. So what the Mashiach Ben Yosef does is that he unifies everything. He integrates everything. But he integrates not only the physical world, but he integrates the spiritual world, and then he integrates the physical with the spiritual, and the spiritual with the physical. You see? Where everything is seen as a tremendous jigsaw puzzle looking at the big picture. And apparently that Chochmah is the tremendous Chochmah or wisdom of reality. And what does everybody seek when you think about it? They want to know what is real. What is reality all about? You see, everybody wonders growing up, what is reality really? What's, and, and, and value is, in this reality, what is important? That's the concept of value. But basic, first, is the concept of reality. What is it? So the reality of the wisdom of the Mashiach Ben Yosef, which is the Messianic light, is the real reality. You see? It goes from one end to the other end, where you see everything connected. And once you have that, then you could decide on value well, within that understanding of reality, right, what is important and what is not important, that's the concept of value. But you really can only have value when you have reality. 
And that's called the Kani Re'em. It's really what it is. That's the horns of a Re'em, which are magnificent horns, the symmetry and so on, the way they bend and fold and so on. And these are the weapons that the Mashiach Ben Yosef uses. And that's how he convinces everybody the truth of God, the truth of his will, the truth of his mitzvahs, and the truth of, you know, the Torah itself. Because somehow he is able to weave the reality of this world with the reality of the Torah and with the reality of all the spiritual worlds. And the metaphor for that is called the uh, Kani Reim, the Horns of the Reim, you see. Now, what's interesting <clears throat> is that initially God created the world in this, in, without form in the sense that it was toyu and voyu, as it says in the beginning, which means everything was fragmented. There was no form to anything. A thing would be alone, you see. It wouldn't really be connected to anything. And then God, in a certain sense, united that. And that becomes the Chochmah that the Mashiach ben Yosef reveals to the world. The problem is that Chochmah has a history, you see. And in the beginning, it was sublime. But as the generations went on, you know, the generations of Cain uh, and Evel and Noach and Avram Avinu, then as the sin grew, mankind became sinful. What they did is they interrupted the integration of the world or the perception of that integration. They interrupted that, you see. And no longer was there a clarity in terms of understanding the beautiful unification of the entire creation. And therefore, what was the point? Why? Because the Sutton, what he wants to do is disconnect everything. He does not want you to see that reality is really all integrated. Why? Because when you look at reality in that way, it testifies to a creator. When you see things organized and how everything is connected, then you realize this is not chance. Because chance does not work this way. Things don't develop, you know, by being integrated. You know, I mean, a classic example, if you look at a car, you know, and you begin to explore the car, the engine, and, you know, the in, inside the chassis and so on, you know, you look at it, they're not just pieces. They're all, they're all connected. They're connected in a meaningful way. But not only are they connected in, in a meaningful way to be able to create a purpose or to exhibit a purpose, you see, but they are incredibly complex. So therefore, that testifies that somebody had to put this together. It couldn't come together by itself, you know. Therefore, form or structure or integration of things testifies to a maker. Therefore, when a sultan wants to conceal this from man, he does that. He's able to conceal chokhmah. He conceals the form, the structure. And to a person, it just looks like haphazard reality. You see. <clears throat> so, which is interesting. That's a very important concept. That one of the strategies of the Sutton is to make everything look disconnected. Formless. Where nothing really is together. That is one of his strategies. And that is why when mankind sins, you see, what happens? What happens is Chokhmah becomes fragmented. 
because that's what he wants. He wants people, mankind, and then the Jews, not to see the integration of the world as one unit. Because like I said, it testifies to a creator, right? And therefore, he doesn't want that. He wants to destroy Emunah. That's a very important idea. And that's why when mankind sinned, everything became much more fragmented. But what's interesting is that when the Jews went into Egypt, they were able to take out, which I had mentioned, tremendous amount of power from the Sultan. You see, they took out the power because, uh, which I will talk about, the suffering, whatever. So they, they were able to weaken this tremendously, this Sultan. And therefore, as a result of that, they were, they were able to restore Chochmah, wisdom, in the form of a unification. And you know where you see that? That's why it says, Moshe Rabbeinu, when the Jews were about to leave Egypt, since what the Jews did is they restored reality to be visible, and we know reality when it's visible has tremendous form or structure or unity, and that's called beauty. And therefore, the one, of course, whose weapon this is, is Yosef HaTzadik. That's why Yosef HaTzadik is called Softness Paneach, the revealer of secrets. So because of the work of the Jews, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to lift the grave, the coffin of Yosef from the Nile, you see. Because that's what the Jews did. They lifted the weapons of this individual, of the Mashiach ben Yosef, from the Klippa, the Zoyama, you see? One parallels the other. And you could see that. The Pasuk that the Pasuk says, it's very interesting Pasuk, the Pasuk says, you know, Vayikach Moshe is Atzmois Yosef, and Moshe took the bones of Yosef, right? He found it, he lifted it, and so on, right? From the Nile, because the Egyptians used Yosef's body, and they buried it in the Nile, and they felt that he would give a blessing to the Nile, because the Nile only, because the Egypt only exists because of the Nile River. So they lifted it. But it's interesting, you can actually read when it says in the Torah, right? Vayikach Moshe Atzmois Yosef. Vayikach Moshe, Moshe took, not Atzmois Yosef, but you can read it because there are no punctuations in the Torah, as Atzmus or Atzmut Yosef, which is the essence of Yosef, the etzem of Yosef. You see? And that's really the concept of the messianic light. They were able to lift it from the Nile because the Jews had removed or enormously uh, destroyed the power of the satanic uh, energy, the Zoyamah. And therefore he could no longer conceal wisdom or chokhmah or reality in the form where it's completely fragmented. And what they did then is, you know, 49 days, they continued removing the Zoyama. And finally, by Matan Torah, they, they saw what they saw was something we don't know. Because what they saw is the Torah as reality. They saw the integration between the Torah and, and the physical universe between the mitzvahs and how it interfaces as a trigger for the energy of the spheres as it comes down to the earth. They saw that, you see, because what they did is they succeeded in creating a reality that was incredible. Why? Because they removed the Zayama. And like I said, one of the major strategies strategies of the Sultan is to conceal this unity so you don't come to the conclusion that there's a creator and it leaves you confused. 
So they were able to do that because of the work of Egypt, you see. And therefore, as a result of that, they, will receive, they received the Torah, Ten Commandments, the Luchos, right, the tablets. But those tablets were not what we have today, or had the second tablets. Those tablets was the Torah as a description of all reality. That Torah was the Torah of the Orishim. That Torah was the Messianic light. That Torah, right, was the Kani Re'em. It's really what it was. And Chazal allude to that many times, where they say, if you looked at it from one side, you could automatically read the other side at the same time, even though you were reading it only from one side, you see. And that is a very, very important idea, you see. And of course, what happened was, is the Jews sinned at the golden calf. And because they sinned at the golden calf, that chokhmah, or that ability to see the messianic light, went back into a fragmented state, you see, because of the sin of the golden calf. So automatically, the Omashiach went into the Klippa, which is the Sultan's territory. And therefore, as a result, what they worshipped was a golden calf. It was a calf, and a calf really is an ox, right? It's a symbol of Yosef. So therefore, that tells you that the ore of Yosef, the light of Yosef, which is the messianic light, which is a disclosure of incredible reality, right, is now in the hands of the Sultan. And it can now be worshipped. You see, that's why what they worshipped was an eagle. It was a calf, you see. So the tragedy was, is that now, it could now be, the, the, the Chochmah of the Omashiach was now back in the hands of the Klippa, which is the Sultan, and therefore, everything becomes fragmented, you see. And therefore, the Rabban Shem gave a second Luchos, which was not like the first, which was now where an enormous amount of the Torah is concealed. We no longer see the connection between mitzvahs, you know, the Torah, and so on, and reality. It's no longer here. Now, physical world is different than the spiritual world. We don't see the connection anymore. And even the spiritual world, we don't really see. You know, we do a mitzvah. We don't see how it's connected to the spiritual world anymore, how it serves as a trigger, a triggering device that brings down the light, or the energy, the holiness of the spheres, and that changes reality. We don't see any of this. You see? It's all concealed. That's what they did with the Cheto Ego. And what is interesting is that there's actually a physical representation of this. Because what did Moshe Rabbeinu do with those first two tablets? Remember, those first two tablets is the Kani Reim. That is the light of Mashiach ben Yosef. And now that has been broken shattered at the bottom of the mountain. So he takes that, all those pieces, imagine gathering all those pieces, right? So he takes that <clears throat> and he gathers it, right? And then what he does is he puts it in the, in the Oren behind the second Luchos. So there they are in this Oren. It's the second Luchos tablets, but behind them is all the fragments of the first Luchas. Now, what is interesting, <clears throat> remember what I said, that the knowledge of reality consists of two aspects. One, the substance of reality, the material, the content, and it consists of the integration of all of that, all connected, combined, into one idea, unity, you see. 
So it's interesting that all those pieces are in the Luchas, are in the Oren, but it's shattered, which means from one piece, there's now thousands of pieces all broken. But what's interesting is you, st- you still have the Choymer of that Krani Re'im, of that ore, of that messianic life, light. But it's all shattered to, to a thousand pieces. So the exact physical description of the Orishan, the first Luchos, which is the weapons of the Mashiach and Yosef, now lies in the Oren, shattered to a thousand pieces. And that's exactly what happened to the Orishan. It is now completely disconnected, pieces shattered and concealed. So what's interesting is that the physical, uh, what do you call it, situation of the Luchas is the exact situation of the Messianic light. And that's really what we want to bring down. Because the most important thing that a person wants to know in the end is what is reality. You know, we think, well, people are after what? They're after power, pleasure, a great reputation. This is true. But in the end, everybody has a need to know what is out there, really. What is this universe really all about? What's the purpose of man? Why is there a universe altogether? And why do we have these laws? Who made the laws? Why this way? Everybody wants to know reality, you see. In fact, that's the greatest quest of all. And that really is the Kani Re'im. That's what the Mashiach ben Yosef reveals. And that shatters the world where they can't believe what it's really all about. You see. Now, this then becomes what we now understand. And we, we still live in that, in that shattered reality where we don't really see anything. And the problem is, is that whoever is the Mashiach ben Yosef, you see, does not have access to that reality. This is the problem. That is the suffering of the Mashiach, you see. I once mentioned that in the beginning of time, the Rabbi Shem came over to Yalkut Shemoni, to Midrash, where the Rabbi Shem came over to the Mashiach, Ben Yosef. In the Midrash, it's called Mashiach Ben Ephraim. That's Mashiach Ben Yosef. And said, in the end of time, your children, Israel, will be destroyed. Clear. Why? Because there isn't enough time to atone for all their sins. Now, of course, the Bershom doesn't mean everybody. But obviously, there must be some type of a significant portion of Israel that will not get Oilem Haba. So what the Mashiach Ben Yosef does is he offers himself to suffer tremendous suffering to be able to atone for every Jew that needs an atonement to survive in Toilem Habo. That's what he does. So he will suffer. And therefore what the Bansham does, the Bansham says, okay, good. And he puts his tremendously iron yoke, you see, on him. And the Mashiach ben Yosef starts screaming, what do you mean? I'm a boss of a dumb. I can't do this. The Bansham says, but I also will go into exile with you, you see. I also will assume a tremendous concealment, which is a, what's called a tzav, the shrina. So the Mashiach ben Yosef says, if that's the case, then it is sufficient for a slave to be like his master. <clears throat> but the question is, how does he suffer? You see. And the answer is, he suffers by the Kani Reim. Exactly. Because that's really what he was supposed to reveal. 
So therefore the Mashiach ben Yosef is not able to come out with information, knowledge, you see, that he really is what's called privy to. And that becomes a tremendous amount of suffering. In fact, what's interesting is clearly Mashiach ben Yosef struggles because it's, it's interesting that even though he agreed to this, but as a living person, he fights. Because if you look at the uh, Haftarah of, uh, by uh, Yemiyahu Lamed Aleph, you know, the Haftarah of, uh, in Rosh Hashanah, by second day, it says there that uh, Rochel cries for her children, and God says, put away your tears, they will return. But it says there that um, that Klai Yisrael, which really means Mashiach and Yosef, is like an ox, Lumod, that is not learnt, it's untrained. And then it says, Yasi Sartani, that you afflicted me, and I was afflicted. And what that means is that clearly the Mashiach and Yosef struggled not to do this. Because what person can tolerate this terrible affliction where he cannot realize basically anything of his potential, his drives and so on. So what he says that you, you made me suffer, right? And I suffered. Well, obviously, if God made him suffer, he suffered. But it means you made me suffer, but I resisted. I tried to get out of this, but it didn't help. You know, you, and I was afflicted, which means that I was compelled to suffer, you see. But the main idea is the suffering of the Mashiach ben Yosef, fundamentally, is the Kani Re'im. Because that's how he brings the Gula, you see. And that is why by the Akedah, just to mention this idea, you know, when Avraham Avinu saw uh, you know, not that he was not going to sacrifice Yitzchak. It says that all of a sudden he lifted his eyes and he saw a ram, right? It says he saw a ram, Nechoz, Beswach, right? The Karnov. And the horns of this ram, ram was entangled in a thicket, you see. So it couldn't move. So he was able to go over to it and take it and he put it on the uh, on the altar. So the question, that in, in a certain sense, that we must ask, right, uh, is what do I care how it was prevented from running away? You know, does it make a difference? If it couldn't run away because, you know, it was sick. But it says in the Torah that its horns was entangled in the thicket. And if you now remember, the horns, right, is the Chochmah of the Mashiach Ben Yosef. You see? So it's horns, which is the Mashiach Ben Yosef's Chochmah. That is his light. You see? That's his weapon. That was actually entangled in the thicket. Because that's the Yisurin of Mashiach Ben Yosef. You see? He couldn't get out. And uh, his ability to release that tremendous amount of wisdom was severely impacted, you see. And, and, and therefore, he was not able to do anything. But that's Yisun and Mashiach Ben Yosef, you see. <clears throat> so this is what we realize, that the redemption really is the redemption from ignorance, that's really what it is. When that happens, then there's a redemption from, you know, obviously, uh, exile. But the release of everything depends on knowledge, on Chochmah. And when the Geulah finally happens, when the Golas finally is over, the key element in that is that there is released an incredible amount of chokhmah, which is the reality itself. All of a sudden, reality is disclosed, 
you see, it is revealed. And that's really what the Geula is all about. And that's what it means when it says, Kimola or that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. How much? As the waters covers the sea, the seabed. Could you imagine? If all the if the all the waters in the world, the oceans, rivers, everything, imagine if that turned to the knowledge of God, to the Chokhmah, which is the integration of all reality. Could you imagine how much that is? It's absolutely awesome. And by the way, that's, like I said, that wise water again, because water is always the metaphor for Torah, for Chokhmah. Like I said about the marble, that the marble was really a metaphor, right, the physical analog of the Orishan. But in any case, so that is the gula, when all of a sudden the world is filled with the knowledge of God which is really, the world is filled with the ultimate understanding of all reality. We are both, the material or the substance of the world of reality is now exposed, as well as the unity, the unification of all reality. And all of a sudden, everything is understood. History is understood. The history of all the world, all the nations of the world, from Adam until the end. The history of each individual, why he had to go through what he did, you see. The history of all the wars and the events. Even the history of the universe. You know, why did that star explode? Why is that star a supernova, you see? And... And how do we understand the different uh, astronomical events in the world? You see, all of this is based on the ultimate unity of the ultimate reality. And that's the Kani Ra'im. That is the all that the Mashiach ben Yosef reveals. So, in the course of this, can you imagine what the world realizes? Of course, they're all in shock because they've never seen such a wisdom. And you should know that wisdom is not merely knowing. It's not merely cognitive. It's also experiential. You know, all of a sudden there's a tremendous emotional ecstasy when you experience that wisdom. It's like a drug. You know, a drug connects itself to the brain. And then it gives you this unbelievable experience. Well, that's the Chochmah of the Orishan. You experience it besides knowing it. And therefore the experience is something which is beyond belief. You see. So, this is really what we have to look forward to. And ultimately, it's what's going to happen. When all reality will be unified... All things will be explained. Everything will be understood to everybody, you see. And uh, this is really what we have to look forward to. Any questions? That understanding happens during Mashiach ben Yosef? Yes. Right. And does it does it come in in doses? Do different people wake up at different times? Well, that's tchias amesim. No, I'm, I'm that's saying wake up meaning like understanding um, the wisdom. Uh, like the I, I, that's a very good question. I mean, is it going to hit everybody at the same time, with the same force? Uh, there's no question that everybody will experience. Uh, what's called a quantum leap in experience and understanding. You know, whether it's going to hit everybody at the same time, in the same measure, that's difficult to know. Because it may be proportional to your status in spirituality. But eventually, everybody will experience it. The question is, is it now or will it take a little time? 
you see. But there's no question that minimally it's going to hit everybody in what's called a quantum leap. You see. Because, like, even, like, now, I feel like uh, there are people who are taking those quantum leaps, maybe not as much as when Mashiach is here, but they are, they are gaining more wisdom and their eyes are more opening to uh, Hashem's glory and His purpose and their purpose in life. Um, is it possible yes. that it's happening now? Yes. I believe it is. That there is an awakening. Yes, there is. And there are certain phenomenon, uh, phenomena that has happened where there is a greater awakening, yes. You know, I mean, uh, just take a look at the... You walk into a Swarm store and you can't believe the amount of things published in English, you know. I mean, 50 years ago, all of this was, didn't exist. You see, so there's an enormous proliferation of Torah knowledge. I'm not even talking about the physical world, where every day, you know, the world turns over in terms of scientific information. What happens every day is incredible in science, technology. But even in the Torah world, there's tremendous amount of growth. I mean, just by walking into a farm store, you know, like I say, None of this existed 50 years ago. So where's it all coming out of? You know, all the translations of everything. Art scroll. I mean, it's incredible what the, uh, the Jewish literary world is producing. So that is the Chochmah coming out of the Klippah. Yes, that's what it is. So you could, you're, personally, you could come out of your own klipa and gain that chachmah. Yes. On an individual, you can. But prior yes. to Mashiach and Yosef coming. Yes, you can't, you can't access the orishim. But like no. I say, you know, when you have a light, there's a light, and then there's a glow. So there is now a glow of the orishim. That is happening. And that's the incredible proliferation of Sforum uh, in English and Hebrew, whatever. It's just amazing what's going on, you know. So that is true. You see. Okay, it's a great way of understanding the history of of the uh, this or the Kani Ra'im, the horns of a Ra'im, what it really is, you know. But ultimately, it's going to go to the nations. Yeah, it's okay, be so staggering. Rabbi, yeah. This week is what? The week, this week, this week that we're in right now. Uh, yes. Between now and between when the Mabul actually uh, happened. Um, yeah, you Zion. Right. It's like a portal. So the portal of of the Orishon technically can come down because it, sh- it was supposed to come down many, many yes. years ago. Yes. This is what's called a propitious time. Because this is the time that the marble, which was the Orishon, happened. And therefore it can happen again. Yes. So, so it would be interesting do? to see. What was that? What should we do? Should we do anything specific? Should we? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know if we can do anything. It really depends on the national level. What is Klai Yisrael doing? Or where's the timetable? You know, in that sense. Where is that holding? I don't know if we can do anything on a personal level, as a private person. To help it. Right. Well, I think if a Jew is aware of that, I think that itself, you could be Mispalel, you could ask the Rabbanu to speed up 
that process, you know, because that's always a tremendous, what's called, isarusa dilatato. It's an awakening from below. And God listens to that. Because it's a schus, it's a merit. If somebody's aware of this and looks forward to it, you know, and, and aspires to this, then that itself is a schus at some level. Yeah? If you pray for this, then it could be that whoever has to be the conduit for this may all of a sudden have a vision. You know, or may all of a sudden have a tremendous idea to begin that stage. Yes, that's true. You know? Great. It's a lot to think Thank about. Thank you, Rabbi. Yes, yes. Rabbi, if... So, Mashiach Ben Yosef is going to bring the Gula. And he's Say that gonna, again? What was that? Mashiach Ben Yosef is going to help bring the Gula. He's the one who starts to bring it. Yes. He right? Is. So he's going to help us understand and that everything's connected. And yes. if he can, is he going to teach everyone that we're all connected so that we can all love each other and not hate? Well, that certainly anymore. is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So does, what does happens that is, happen? yeah, there's no sinachinim anymore. Because he shows how all the neshamas are bound together. Because that's really what it is. All our neshamas are bound together. Even though we don't realize that. I once said, Kleinsville is like Siamese twins. Two heads, one body. Except we don't realize that. We think we're really individuals. We're not. We are re- our souls are bound together in a unit. And that's called Knesset Israel, you see. So that certainly is going to happen. There will no longer be sinas chinam, division and hatred, you know, and animosity between Jews. And even mankind will also experience that unity, you see. Does that start to happen before we get gathered out of the exile or after? Uh, it's hard to know. I think it's the process of the exile. You know, it's the process of the exile that it will happen. Well, look, stay tuned. Hopefully this week will mean something. <laughs> 